We are back for another episode of the end-to-end podcast. Myself and Joe are here with you. And finally, the saga hasn't ended yet, but it's coming to that ending part. Jack Eichel has finally been traded from the Buffalo Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights. There were two teams on him at the one-yard line. One team obviously won that, and that was the Vegas Golden Knights. Joe, I will let you jump in right here about that trade because you took a big chance on Jack Eichel in our fantasy pool, but you didn't really draft him that high to begin with, but you still took a chance on him nonetheless. So did the Vegas Golden Knights. But what are the Buffalo Sabres getting in return for Jack Eichel? So the Sabres in return are getting homegrown Syracuse, New York-born kid Alex Tuck along with top prospect of the Golden Knights, one of the best prospects in hockey, I guess you could say, in Peyton Krebs. A conditional first in 2022, so this upcoming draft. A conditional second in 2023. And then also going to Vegas is a third-round pick in 2023. So that's a full trade. It may seem a little underwhelming, but the fact that, um, you know, Buffalo didn't retain any salary in this deal could be seen as a win for them as well. Like that's also, they don't have to pay him at all. But then if you look on the flip side, if they did have to retain salary, they could have gotten much more for Jack Eichel. So depending on how you want to look at it, they just completely moved on from him. Um, he's getting his surgery finally this week, <laughs> I believe on Friday, yep. uh, that, that disc surgery, not the fusion surgery. And his estimated time of recovery, according to him, is roughly three months. So obviously, he's going to try gunning for the Olympics. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to come right back, right when uh, the players come back from the Olympics, um, which would be at the end of February. So he's still out, obviously, for a while. Can't strap up for the Golden Knights yet. That's why the saga isn't officially over. Um, But in terms of the return, um, I think it's all right for Buffalo like it's not great but they do get a guy that probably is the only guy in the league that wants to play for the Sabres and Alex Tuck mm-hmm. he's locked up long term if they want they could even flip him but I don't know if that's going to happen I think he wants to play in Buffalo with Krebs that's another uh, prospect that they're adding to their really kind of impressive prospect pool with you know Jack Quinn in, in Rochester obviously they got Owen Power in Michigan and they have the German guy as well, I'm forgetting his name. Um, JJ Paterka. Yeah, JJ Paterka. So th- those are three or four great prospects that Buffalo has. They also have Dylan Cousins, who's full time with the team. And like you know, I kind of like what they're doing here. This is a this is what I think is an actual rebuild, not what they did to actually get Eichel in <laughs> yeah. the first place, yeah. which was to basically sell every single person off their team and play like these terrible players like the entire game and like they had awful goaltending and stuff like I think this is a proper rebuild they play hard Buffalo their record so far this year isn't even that bad um based on their talent level it might catch up to them eventually but I Mm -hmm. think this whole reset moving on from Eichel and Reinhardt obviously those are their two big kind of pieces that they were trying to build around didn't work out but this is like a proper rebuild like they're getting a lot of assets they're kind of all breaking these guys up at the same time, not throwing these guys in to kind of save the franchise. I think this is the kind of the right direction. They got a pretty good coach in Don Granado there that makes them play hard. I think this is just a whole culture reset and moving forward, Buffalo in the next couple of years will hopefully try to gain some traction from this. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know what the answer would be from you uh, if Jack Eichel got traded at the beginning of the year, but what do you think his value value would have been right after the season or right around draft time or right at the beginning of the year? Like, what do you think it would have been then from what the, what it was now? Yeah, so if they kind of got him uh, right after the season, they would definitely have had an extra first-round pick in there for sure and maybe a lower-end prospect in addition to what they already got. So they, pro- they could have got a lot more. I There's still gonna, like a mystery why the Sabres didn't want Eichel to have the surgery. Yeah. Um, they kept recommending the one that he didn't want. I don't know why <laughs> it took so long. Like, I wonder if we'll ever get a 30 for 30 on that. But, yeah, like they could have got a lot more. This just dragged on way too much, and they lost too much leverage. They stripped him of the C, kind of just indicating work we're done with this guy. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, thinking about that stripping the sea, like that was so unnecessary thinking about that right now. Like, why did you need to do that right up the beginning of the season? And then it obviously worked out for them clearly because the Sabres are playing fine hockey right now. But um, for my thoughts on the trade, like I think it's fine for what obviously evolved in that scenario with Eichel and the Sabres. Like it was a mess clearly because we've been talking about it for about four, uh, six months now. So I think what they did with the trade was fine. Uh, they got a kid who wants to play for them in Alex Tuck. And they got also a younger, younger kid, uh, Peyton Krebs, who's supposed to be this prospect that's going to be very good. I don't see it in Krebs, but he could pan out to be this first-line uh, winger guy. I, I see him at a second-line center role, to be honest. But, you know, if that's what you wanted from the Vegas Golden Knights, and if that was the breaking point for the Vegas Golden Knights, you're doing that trade any day of the week. like 100%. Like, we were talking about the – we didn't even get into, like, the Kachuk um, rumor that came out the day before this trade even happened, which apparently wasn't even real. But, like, that's a way better offer if, indeed, that was even true for Kachuk and a few more things to go for Eichel. That's way better. And we talked about on the Burning Leaf podcast, obviously, Roos was a Flames fan. Like, he was very upset. And I don't even blame him one bit. Uh, I think that's very embarrassing what the Calgary Flames did in that scenario. They could have given up way better than the, the the Golden Knights gave up here. I'm not sure they would have found a guy like Tuck in their lineup they wanted to move away from, but they definitely had a few more prospects in their pool that they could have dealt for Jack Eichel, and they would have fixed a lot of problems going forward with a center in their lineup for the Flames. But talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and Buffalo Sabres. I think it's a fine trade for what happened with Eichel and the whole scenario with Buffalo. Um and it's not even over yet because what is Jack Eichel going to look like after he gets that surgery and he goes to the Golden Knights? And to be fair, uh, to be talking about the Golden Knights as well, they're going to have to make another trade for this to even work out, right? Yep. They got to trade, I think, four or five million off their roster. And I keep saying it ever since the trade happened that Riley Smith's a goner. He's a UFA after this year. He's making like five million. So you just move that off and you'll be just under the cap, I think, with Eichel. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Riley Smith is a definitely a very, very important player for them. So, I don't know how that I, – I, they're definitely going to take a hit somewhere uh, between their depth because it's not even good right now. And now you've got to move players and things out to get Eichel in their lineup. It's not a bad thing because you're getting a superstar Jack Eichel, but their depth will take a hit and you'll see the Golden Knights maybe degret de- – like, I don't know. I don't know, have like a shock in their system in the bottom six. But when you get a guy like Eichel, who you've kind of had your eye on for a while, clearly I think that's the play you got to do, right? And that's what they're missing throughout these playoff runs, that number one center that can match up against other top lines. So 
This whole saga is not even done. We'll see what happens with Eichel. What do you see happening with him in his return from injury? Do you see the same player that came out with the Buffalo Sabres who was a lock for 30 goals, 70 points? Or do you see a different type of player? Well, I do. Maybe, I don't know if he'll be 100% the same player, but he'll have the best linemates he's ever had in his life. Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, who are also both out for Vegas. So they're basically their projected entire first line is not going to be playing together as a unit until the end of February. Yeah. So they kind of just have to weather this storm right now. They've been okay the last couple of games. They won, I think, back-to-back, right? They might have just lost the other game. But they they just need to get through these injuries right now. William Carlson's out too. Uh, they just have a lot of injuries up front, including Eichel. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be a thousand percent, maybe the exact same, but he'll have amazing line mates to help him along. And he's going to generate offense for them, of course, and they'll generate offense for him to get, you know, better looks and stuff like that. So I think his numbers will probably be the same, if not maybe a bit better. Yeah, we could definitely see it. He's going to a team where they're ready to win, and that's what he wanted to do at the end of this uh, to win. So they have a very good chance, an even better chance now, Vegas. They've been to countless conference finals the last few years. So let's see what they're the, like. This puts them uh, in the Western Conference. But I think that's pretty much it on Eichel. Uh, we've talked about it for many, many months, and it's finally happened. So we're excited for uh, Jack Eichel to get going in Vegas around the March, February timeline that he said uh, was supposed to be. But another thing that happened, Blackhawks have been in the news for a tons, tons of weeks t- throughout all last year in the in the offseason while getting Seth Jones, Mark Henry Fleury, uh, the off-ice stuff that just happened a few weeks ago. And now an on-ice thing and management thing has happened. Jeremy Colleton has been fired um, from the Blackhawks. So he was the head coach for, I think, four or three years now. And he's being replaced by Derek King, who was, I believe, the AHL Rockford head coach. So he's taking over as the interim tag for the rest of the season, I believe. Uh, this is the guy you said that was on the hot seat for a while and sh- – well, sh- clearly should have been, and you're finally uh, happy he's out. I give a standing ovation for finally, reali- for, for finally realizing that this guy's a fraud. I've been saying this guy's ass for, what, two and a half years? And, uh, like, he has, like, absolutely no structure system. Like, he has no. all these pretty good players, and it's like, yeah, Kane DeBrinkett just, like, saved me mm-hmm. every, every night. Um, obviously – but Stan Bowman obviously resigned, but he made a bunch of moves this offseason to bolster the Hawks, getting Flurry, getting both Jones brothers, um, getting some death pieces. Obviously, Jonathan Taser, captain, coming back. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and they were awful, awful to start the year. They're still in a big hole right now in the Central Division. Uh, they're in last, obviously. Uh, actually, no, they're in second last because Arizona is now in the yeah, Central. Yeah. My bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're second last in their division, but they've won two straight since they fired Colleton. And the, what what you need to know about this coach is that the this the highlight of his tenure was this season where he handed the clipboard mm-hmm. during a late game to try to tie the game to Jonathan Taves to drop a play to try to tie the game, and he had absolutely no clue what to do. Gave the clipboard over, took it back, looked at it, and they went off. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> so, that is like that's something I think a, like a team should do when they're winning and they're having fun, not when you're losing. Yeah, like, like I'd be I, perfectly fine with like, um, 
Laviolette giving the board to Ovi, like, because he's really good on the power play and they're winning right now. But if you're in a losing scenario and you're not as good as what the Blackhawks should be, don't think that's the, like, the first thing you should do when you get on the power play. Yeah. I mean, he was just so bad. He had absolutely no experience. I'm pretty sure he's younger than, like, Caves or Kane at the (laughs) same age. So, obviously, they don't have respect for him, I would think. But... Yeah, like it's about time he got fired. He did nothing for the team. But uh, now we'll see what Derek King does. Like you said, he's interim, I think, for the rest of the year. Because, uh, you know, obviously they got rid of their GM. They got to find a new GM. They have an interim right now as well. Yep. So they're probably going to wait for all that in the offseason. Do you think we – obviously they won two straight games, the Blackhawks. But do you think we see a – I don't even know what I would call it, like do we see a different Blackhawks team the rest of the year with interim this, interim that, player this, player that? We don't know what they are. Yeah, I don't know. I think now that maybe this Derek King uh, that they got, maybe it'll just like a kick in the pants for the team. Right. So they'll probably be good for at least the short term. I don't know what the long-term solution will be with all these interims and all the noise around the organization. They'll, I think they'll get better. But mm-hmm. I don't know how much better yeah, they'll true. get. I don't know. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So they made a lot of moves, like you said, Joe. They've interim this, interim that, like I just said. We'll see what the Blackhawks do. They have to progress somehow with the amount of changes that has happened over the past few weeks. And obviously their captain has to be way better. He has not been good at all. So no, Seth Jones scored his first goal, I believe, yesterday. So I mean, things hopefully look good for him in the future there. Um, So we'll see what happens with the Blackhawks throughout the season. We'll keep tabs on that for sure. And another thing we're keeping tabs on, like I said a few weeks ago, stuff like the Blackhawks things are not going to go away, and it's so unfortunate. Um, Bob Murray is in the – I don't even know what you would want to call it. Like, I don't – he's just on the hot seat again. Um, I believe he stepped away for an hour and he's to leave an absence. I I don't know the much details. I haven't read it yet. Uh, You seem to know more details here, so you can talk about the Bob Murray investigation that's going on with the uh, Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, so what happened with this is I've – apparently this guy's been kind of like a D-bag his whole, like, kind of career and stuff. And, like, there's a lot of, like, lawsuits against him where it's not like – I don't think it's like sexual assault or any of that, but like he like kind of threatens people's like job security. So like, I don't like, I don't have an example in front of you, but like, it's kind of based on that. Like he kind of like unfairly kind of threatens employees, like job security, like, Oh, I'm going to fire you this, that if you have to do this, this, this for me, it's like kind of like under that sort of umbrella, (laughs) but like, it's still like the fact that it came like two weeks or so after this whole Chicago fiasco that's still ongoing because another victim of the person yeah. of Brad Aldridge, his mother actually came out to Rick West head of TSN and sports center uh, with another interview this week, I believe it was yesterday or Monday. Um, it's just like this, the NHL just continues to embarrass themselves and they need to, the, if I'm an owner of an NHL team, I have to look straight at Batman and say, what the fuck are you, have you been <laughs> doing here, buddy? Like, you're, you're embarrassing the product of that is the NHL. And your responses that you give based on the whole Aldridge situation is a joke. They, there's even reports that owners have legit said this, that they were not happy at all with, with Batman's response to the mm-hmm. whole 
situation, I, it's time for him to go, man. He's done nothing really good the last couple of years. I don't care about the expansion shit. <laughs> that's what um, I was just going to say. That was the only things. <laughs> that, what, like, that's all he's done. And you still have Arizona getting 10 fans a game there, but you're still going <laughs> to put money into them keeping there. And they're going to have five wins this year, for God's sake. So I, I'm done with him as a commissioner. There's been two, two and a half lock, like, well, two lockouts, I think. Uh, the Olympic participation stuff from 2018, uh, this whole, all these scandals that are coming out from basically his entire time that he's been a commissioner of the league. Uh, it's time for you to go, buddy. You've been here for 30 years. Get out. Same with Donald Fuhrer of the NHLPA. The guy looks like he's on, should be on his deathbed soon. Um, just get out. We need fresh, innovative, you know, faces and representatives for the NHL. The marketing is still embarrassing for the NHL. Oh, terrible. Like the NBA and the NFL. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not enough's enough. The CSPN deal, fine. It was good. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist that you should hook no. up with the biggest sports network in the mm-hmm. North America. So again, it's it just, it's time for him to go. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really want to comment on that because like, I don't even like that's just like a whole like that could be a definitely a podcast we could just rip into what he's done what good things he's done what bad things he's done but it, like obviously a commissioner and yourself are not going to agree on everything like that's just like that's just like whatever that's just life like you're never just going to agree on everything but I think you could really pinpoint a lot more bad stuff uh, than good stuff Gary Bevin's done in his tenure as commissioner but that's a whole different story um like I said, this won't be the last investigation we see, maybe even this year or ever in the National Hockey League because there's always a stupid fellow out there that's going to do something very stupid. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the NHL. We'll keep tabs on that too. Um, quick news. Brady Kachuk, weirdly named captain in the seventh game he's played during the year. He's the 10th captain in Sens history. Um, awful timing. I mean, do it at the beginning of the year, man. Like, yeah, he should have just done it. as soon as he signed. Yeah, he comes out in his warm-ups and he's got the C on or something. That's how you're supposed to do it. Not, uh, yeah, actually we'll give it to him like, how, like <laughs> a couple weeks after he started playing. So They haven't won since. Sense. We're, they haven't won since. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Attaboy, Brady. So, yeah, I think they lost to Tampa and they lost to Boston yesterday. So Nice. Yeah, well, they fired up the guys, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So, but to be fair, they are dealing with like COVID issues. That's right, yeah. So they have, they have a couple of guys, a couple of regulars out of their lineup, like Connor Brown, one of their best players, probably best <laughs> forwards. So he's out. They got a couple of COVID issues, so maybe that could be the reason. But yeah, just awful timing. Yeah, but good for Brady Kachuk. Uh, we all saw it coming, I guess. It was between him and Shabbat, I guess, but he was probably the front runner for that after he signed that contract. Yeah. Uh, your boy. Your boy, man. He is climbing the goal ranks. Oh, yeah. He tied Brett Hall, Ovechkin, tied Brett Hall last night with fourth all-time in goals with 741. Got a couple assists in there as well. He also had 600 assists last night for a guy that has over 700 goals. He still has over 600 assists. Got to keep going up. He's literally having the best start of his career right now. I think he has like 21 points in like 13 games. And he's got 11 goals already this year, 12. I think yeah. 11 in 12 games or something like that. 
he's been unbelievable. Obviously, he just signed that five-year extension in the offseason, so he's he's doing everything he can to catch Gretzky. If he continues this pace, I don't think it's likely, but if he could get 50 this year, I mean, he's already like 20% of the way there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then his average to just catch Gretzky just gets easier and easier. And it, uh, uh, if he hits 50 this year, I think it's just a matter of when, uh, not if at yeah. that point, because he'll be roughly a hundred behind him with four years left on that contract. So right. we're going to keep tabs on this guy, obviously. I mean, I think they play tomorrow. He could pass Hall tomorrow night. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep track of Ovi. And he's famous for coming out of the gate hot in seasons. All the time. All the time. All the time. Like, I remember, like, there's always, like, a time where I just look in, like, the fifth game of the year. This guy has, a hat, like, a hat trick already. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And then this year, is it actually, like, his best start, like, statistically? Yeah, I, I think it is. Like, in terms of points, like, 21 points, and I think in 12 or 13 games. I don't okay. know if I have a stat, but I'm pretty sure it is. Doesn't matter. It's pretty damn hot. Like for a guy who's what old people were talking about in the offseason, oh, this guy gonna be same. Yeah, like it, it, that's incredible. Especially like we're seeing the NHL take over with young guys and the old guys still prove to be, you know, the dominant players right now that starting the year. Like we're seeing Stamkos, we're seeing OV, Kopitar, Bergeron, like we're seeing a bunch of old players just really like be like, you know what, uh-uh, you're not taking the mantle from us yet, young guns. And they're they're doing that right now. Full credit to them. Yeah, except for McDavid and Drysaddle. Well, we that's even a given. talked about the McDavid goal. <laughs> that was a we both watched that live. Yeah. And I, as you heard my reaction, uh, I threw my hat at the screen as well. Yeah, it um, was I, that that guy is just unbelievable. Yeah, and like they talked about in overdrive, like he's probably gonna score a better one. Like he probably could. Yeah. Uh, I think Sportsnet released a video of the top 20. No, actually, it was just a random YouTuber. Top 25 goals for Connor McDavid. And that wasn't even one. That was two. I think one was the one where he came back. And I believe I think we watched that as well live. Is that the, the one versus Columbus? The, yeah. We did. I think so. We're at Peace House. Yes. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh my top God. two goals we're seeing here by this guy together, man. Like he's just a walking. Highly real. Yeah, walking highly real. That's yeah, exactly. No worry to explain it there. Um, McDavid continues to dominate. This guy continues to dominate. Alexander Barkov. Um, he set history for the Panthers all-time goals with the 189 goals. It's not a high total, but for the Panthers, not a rich, uh, rich history team. There, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, he continued. He's probably the best player in franchise. Really, actually, he is. Not really, what am I saying? Yeah, him and yeah, Huberdeau. He yeah, him and Huberdeau are the best players in franchise history. Um, don't know if there'll be a player after those guys. There probably will, considering their franchise is so young. So Maybe Ekblad. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, wait, Luongo as well. Yeah, that's also true. That's also true. But all-time goals, 189 for him. I believe Huberdeau has the lead in points, though, for their franchise. So... Uh, more of a playmaker there in Huberto, but pretty incredible for this guy. Oh, yeah. He's been amazing. Obviously, just signed that massive extension to stay in Florida for basically his, I would say, his whole career, well, at least the best years of his career. Um, amazing two-way. I, we kept saying this probably a few years ago. He's so underrated, so underrated, but he's not underrated anymore. Uh, he's not paid like it starting next year. Um, everyone knows who Alexander Barkov is and what he's all about, so... 
he's just going to keep padding these these Florida Panther tallies and he'll obviously have his jersey retired and you know hopefully he can lead the Panthers to some playoff yeah. success this year yeah some meaningful games yes would be nice to see yeah. from the Panthers um guy in the same draft he has been I don't know what happened to this guy to start the year Nathan McKinnon is out three weeks with lower body injury. I believe he had a lingering injury throughout the start of the year and even in the playoffs last year. And he's, I think he was on COVID protocol this year to begin with. And he was on it last year as well. Not a good start at all for the avalanche to begin with, but Nathan McKinnon too. I know. Like, I think he only has one goal before this new injury kind of is going to keep him out for three weeks. But we'll get into the avalanche a little bit later, but they have just been flat out, like, not good. Like, they're sixth in the division in the Central, which is, like, embarrassing for their expectation. And, you know, they obviously lost Grubauer. They got Kemper. They re-signed their captain, Landeskog. Um, You know, just the avalanche have been really off. Um, There's a lot of reasons why, like I said, I'll get into it. But, like, yeah, McKinnon being out for three weeks is going to hurt. Their depth's awful. So we'll see what happens, how they're going to survive for the next three weeks. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, I've seen a lot of Twitter people, like, saying, yeah, don't worry about, like, tough starts and slow starts. The Leafs sort of got out of it, but they haven't played great in those games that they've gotten on it, but they've got the Ws in those games. But at the same time, the Leafs don't have Matthews out. Like, this is this is Colorado's Matthews. This is McKinnon out. Like, it's not – you're already losing, and then you're losing your best player. It's not something that's positively looked on uh, when you're going through a streak like this. So, I mean, I think the Colorado Avalanche at the end of the season will be fine. They'll be in the playoffs. Just, you know, it's a very tough start for them. Yeah. And going forward with other things, quick news – not a tough start for these guys. The California teams are taking the league by storm to start the year. I believe the Anaheim Ducks have won six straight games, uh, which the other way, I thought they were going to lose six straight games, but <laughs> they've won six straight games with all the youth in their lineup. And John Gibson right now is playing like a Vesna trophy candidate. Yeah, like all, like you said, all three of these teams are surprising. All of them are getting great goaltending. The Kings have also won six straight without Drew Doughty. Yeah. Um, which is just like insane to think about. Like they're actually winning without him. They weren't even winning with him. Yeah. You know, like last year and stuff. So I don't know what's wrong. Like you said, like you're talking about Kopitar earlier. He found the fountain of youth. Guys like Brett Burns and Logan Couture have found the fountain of youth, it looks like, as well. And Ryan Geslaff's just piling up the assists. <laughs> we didn't even talk about him, man. <laughs> I know. He, he passed. I don't even know if we mentioned this. Last no, I think episode. we did he mention passed. it. Yeah, I think we did. But he just keeps racking up the assists, yeah. too. Um, they're all getting fantastic goaltending. You talk about Gibson. Aiden Hill. Sorry. Aiden Hill and James Reimer are, like, the best tandem in the league right now um, for San Jose. And then Jonathan Quick, you you saw it Monday night versus the Leafs. Yeah, he, he looked like a 2014 Jonathan Quick that day. Mm-hmm. And then Cal Pedersen stole the game last night versus Montreal, especially uh, in the third period in overtime. So all these teams are surprising. They're getting depth scoring. You have guys like Jonathan Dahlin on like San Jose scoring. L.A. obviously Kopitar's leading the charge. Phil Deneau's got more goals this year than last year. 
And then like Anaheim, like Troy Terry. That helps. <laughs> it's just unbelievable this yeah. year. So all of them are surprising. Yeah, for sure. We'll keep tabs on California teams because I don't think we see this trend looking upwards for them considering the rosters they have and the other teams going through slumps. But hey, maybe someone gets through. Maybe Anaheim, San Jose, LA gets one of those spots in those divisions to, uh, in the Pacific Division, sorry, to get in a playoff spot. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that's it for news. We'll go right into the hard hat. And speaking of the Anaheim Ducks, you have one of them. Yep, just talked about him, Troy Terry. So for the hard hat award winner for me, it's got to be him. I mean, he didn't blow away uh, this part past week particularly. I mean, for him, by his standards, amazing. Four goals, yeah. two assists, three power play points, two game winners. But it's the 12-game point streak that he's currently on, which is obviously the longest of his career. And <laughs> it's the longest in the NHL this season. Yeah, This is a guy that had 20 points last year. He's already got 16 and 13 games this year. Um I, he was a pretty, you know, highly touted prospect coming up. He has played NHL games, just that has exploded this year, playing on that top line, playing a lot of minutes with Getzlaff, scoring a ton of goals. He's got nine goals already this year. So Troy Terry's got to be my hard hat award winner for this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's been <laughs> incredible. Like, Troy Terry's a great player, and now he's giving nods to the USA, saying, pick me for the Olympic team, man, like – I mean, if he's going like this, sure, but I don't know what he's going to do near February time or whenever they have a chance to pick the roster. But Troy Terry might play himself in that uh, competition for that uh, role in U.S. But for me, I'm going with the Toronto kid, Mitch Marner. Um, you know, we kind of roasted him. We, we always roast Mitch Marner because that contract and stuff like that. But he's been pretty good the past week uh, since we've recorded. Four goals, eight assists, ten points. Is that right? No. Four goals eight assists that should be more than 10 points but regardless he's been pretty damn awesome for the Toronto Maple Leafs he's been one of the reasons why they keep winning games uh five power play points five in the strength points in the last uh week since we've been recording um you know for a guy who gets a lot of flack and deservedly so with the contract he has to meet expectations he's been meeting them the last week and I don't think anyone can really deny that hopefully going forward this guy continues to be the Leafs one of the Leafs best players beside Austin Matthews because uh, they're going to need both of them to do some damage in the playoffs because they haven't really done that um, during the regular season. There's no question about it. When they get to the playoffs, different story. But Mitch Marner uh, gets the hard out award for me this week. That's a good pick as well. The Leafs have picked it up. He's been a big part of it. Obviously got ripped early in the season. But he's going back to how he's always been and his whole career basically he's just a point getter. So drives offense. We had this thing in our group chat where actually the big four of the Leafs have scored the last 14 <laughs> goals for the team. So that's just, I don't know if that's because they're so good or the depth so bad, but I mean, they they won five straight. They obviously lost uh, on Monday and they played tonight. So we'll see what happens tonight. Yeah, we'll see if there's a different story change to that. But going to the other side, the bad side, the golden plunger flushed the toilet for this these two things. <laughs> They're not players. Well, they kind of involve players because the players play on the, these teams. They involve teams. Um, I don't know if you want to go first or me go first, but, you know, both are not very good trends to begin with for these two uh, franchises. So you can go first with this one. All right. The Bruins, uh, the Boston Bruins, I'm not picking their whole team because that's unfair because their top scoring is scoring right now at an elite level. Uh, they're winning games, but why, are you at, why am I picking the Boston Bruins? I'm picking their depth. 
They have not gotten a bottom six goal since October 24th with Jake DeBrusque. Now, I don't know if you consider Jake DeBrusque the player to be a bottom six player, but he should probably be a top six player on that Boston roster because uh, Craig Smith's on their second line right now. But he's considered to be a bottom six forward on that team. Um, they haven't had a goal scored by them since October 24th. They've had defensemen score. They've had their top six score. It's the Leafs scenario where they have so many goals between the top guys. Like, is it a good thing or bad thing? I see it as a bad thing because they took a hit with Nick Foligno being injured again. <laughs> like, I don't know where this Boston, Bruin is, Boston Bruins team is without the, uh, the perfection line. And it's not like we've been talking about for this year. We've been talking about that line for about, I would say, four to three years now, yeah. carrying this team every season. Um, and there's no question about it. They carry this team every, every season. And their depth usually shows up for the playoffs for the Boston Bruins. But during the year, it's the same thing over and over again. The perfection line's added again. They add Taylor Hall. He's been good. Their bottom six hasn't. And I, ju- I just think, is that something to worry for their team? Yeah, considering that the age of that team is not getting any younger um, and the fact that they haven't really developed anyone in the last like four to five years other than Charlie McAvoy, um, it is an issue because you're not having young guys or prospects come in like fight for position. Like this past offseason, they had to sign like three or four like third or fourth liners because like they don't have young guys to kind of surplant themselves. Yeah. You're talking about Jake DeBrusque. Like, that guy had 27 goals a few years ago. He looks awful the past mm-hmm. couple. Like, they were, I think, debating on trading him. Uh, I No one really knows what Jake DeBrusque is anymore. Everyone thought he was probably, like, a, a great second-line center on that – or second-line winger on that team. Mm-hmm. But he just hasn't put it together uh, in the last couple of years. And, like, yeah, it really does hurt them during the year because you have to have those that perfection line carry them all year <laughs> long. And if we keep saying, are they going to fall off? Nope, nope. <laughs> no. Even though Bergeron and Marshan are in their mid-30s now almost, and Bergeron for sure. It's just, you know, just they don't stop. They don't oh, stop. No. Not, and, like, it's funny. Like, we're talking about the old guys and the trend in the NHL. The, the, the younger guy on that lineup is falling off. Like, what is going on with Pasternak? I think he has, like, two or three goals this year. Yeah, I think he's got three goals and, like, six points. And like, Bergeron's <laughs> got, like, 10 or 11. Yeah. he has got, like, 13, 14. So, I don't know what's going on there. Like, he'll be fine. Like, a Pasternak's Pasternak. He'll snap out of it. But it's just weird. Like, we're talking about, like, them slowing down the old guys. But it's the old guys doing good and not, not so – old guy and the young guy and David Pasternak doing a bit awful to start the year, but we'll switch things to your team. Cause your team has a lot of, um, I guess, uh, expectations. And we yep. talked about them before with Nathan McKinnon. So go ahead. So my cold and plunger has to be the Colorado avalanche. We talked about it already, how they've really been struggling. Uh, their big guys haven't really been scoring. McKinnon, like I said, had one goal before going down with this injury. McCark cannot stay healthy. They have so many COVID issues all the time. It's always to their top players. Uh, they traded for Kemper because they lost Grubauer. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great, considering he probably had better numbers in Arizona somehow. Uh, maybe just getting used to the decor, even though the decor is significantly better. Uh, their depth has not been good. Uh, if Outside of their top line, we have Kadri and Burakovsky, and that's really about it. Um, and they haven't been like amazing either. 
So I don't know what, what Colorado's gonna do. Apparently, um, they're they're looking to move. I saw a report potentially Sam Gerard, um, who's making five million. I think they see Bo Byram, who's obviously on an ECL entry level contract. He's right. only twenty years old. Even though Gerard's only twenty three, I think they're potentially maybe looking to move him for a forward, like a one for one scenario. I don't know what I would think about that because they could think Byron could play in the top four. So we'll see what happens with the avalanche, but they need scoring bad because mm. even their top guys have been a little slow this year, but their, their depth is non-existent. Yeah, no, it's, I think you can literally go through any app on your phone, whether it's the NHL app, sports app or the score, and you just see what, who's scoring. It's not the depth. It's not the depth. And it's not even the top guys either to begin with, because they don't really score that much right now, and it's a, a key issue for them. Um, you sent that thing about Sam Girard. I think I would do that if I was the Colorado Avalanche. You develop two guys in Kel McCarr and Bowen Byram who are who could – well, McCarr already developed him in a top-two um, defenseman on a roster in the one guy. But Byram, you're thinking he could develop into a top-two guy as well. So moving a guy like Sam Girard for goal scoring is not a stupid thing for me um, because they did lose some guys – and free agency on the top um, in the forward group with Brandon Stodd significantly going there. Uh, Kadri hasn't looked good. Burakovsky's looked fine. GT Comfort has had to step up, but those are guys you want in the bottom six kind of taking uh, relief off the guys in the top six. So it's a weird scenario going on for Colorado. I think they'll snap out of it eventually. It's just when. Um, Is it when Nathan McKinnon gets back, Kel McCarr gets back? If it is, that's the guys you need to rely on, and they started needing to start scoring. So we'll see what happens. Moving to what you say. So, Jason, what are we playing? What you say. And today's what you say, or this week's what you say. Uh, we post it every week. We've had, I think, Philip Sedina last week, with or two weeks ago with the Connor Garland scenario, and then last week we just had Ovi being an absolute beauty. But this week, it's another beauty clip. I don't know if you heard it. I sent it to you. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers had to, I guess it was drip, like dress up with drip or something for their team dinner. And uh, I think this was Nate Thompson and Joel Farabee talking about that. So here it is. A team dinner and we wanted to see who had the most, uh, most drip. Most drip. Yeah. Who was the drippiest? I don't know. Coots. Coots? I think Coots are uh, cute. Those are my top two. They're dripping too hard, huh? Yeah, yeah. too hard. Was there any coordination on the outfits or was it purely independently? I, I think guys were guys were going all out. There was definitely coordination. I, I think guys were uh, – guys had it dialed last night. I was impressed. You see uh, Cam and, and G basically just did it, didn't do it or were they – I don't know if they knew what drip meant maybe. Yeah, it might be a younger term. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just like this clip. At the end, I think – I don't know who – Q is, but he dressed up pretty good. I don't know who that is. But Claude Giroux and I think someone else had, like, no idea how to dress up. They just dressed up normally because they didn't know what that word meant. (laughs) They didn't know what drip meant. I mean, I don't blame them, dude. Like, I mean, you heard the word drip, like water? Like, I don't know. Those older guys are probably like, what the hell is this guy talking about drip? But then, like, you get Nick Thompson, and he's, like, 37, and he knows what that is, and he did it. Nate Thompson's the goal. 
Yeah, I yeah, played for the Montreal Canadiens, pretty goaded there. But I thought that was a pretty funny yeah. clip from the Flyers there. They always seem to have a good social media team, obviously with Gritty coming at NHL and just stuff like this. So um, that was our What You Say of the Week. Thanks, Jason Ruler, for that. We'll move into the Battle of the Buds where you're looking like the Edmonton Oilers to start the year. I'm looking like, you know, high expectations going into the year. I'm looking at the Colorado Avalanche here. You went 3-0 and again last week. I went 2-1. and So that brings my total record to 5-4. and You're 8-1. and So you're flying with significant colors here to start the year. Um, so I guess I'll go through my picks for this week. Uh, Preds at Blues November 11th. So that's tomorrow. I got the Blues in that one. Flames at Leafs November 12th. I'll be attending that game. So I'll be rooting for Leafs. Hopefully they get the dub there for obviously them, myself, and this. And then on November 16th, I got the Red Wings at the Stars. So all the home teams in this one, who do you got for next week? Yeah, like you said, you got to try to get on a heater now. I, I'm honestly shocked I went back-to-back 3-0. I don't think I've ever been 3-0 in my life, and I went back-to-back. Um, so I'm going to take it and run. Uh, for my games, I got a couple coin flips like I always do. It seems to be working out for me so far this year. Capitals at Red Wings, that's tomorrow. I have the Capitals winning on the road. Flyers at Stars, I have the Stars winning at home. That's on November 13th. And then Devils at Rangers, and I have the Rangers winning at home on November 14th. All right, solid picks, solid picks. I think my pick might be into next week, next week's episode. I may have picked it too late, but I don't know what day we would record. So, I don't know, maybe we won't even have a full, like, finish thing for me uh, for Battle of the Buds. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll just do it anyway. Um, so that was Battle of the Buds. A lot of things have happened, Joe. I don't know if you have a spicy meatball or hot take you want to get to this week, but if you do, go ahead. I don't know if I do because the Ico saga is basically like that. I called that and that was probably my best call or my best spicy meatball I've had since the inception, considering that it actually came true. Um, I really don't have a hot take this week unfortunately i'm sorry like i kind of overcooked it in the oven uh but i'll get nana to make a fresh batch next week yeah that's true i mean the, i'm just going looking it back like you said jack got ghost traded before christmas that happened um the other stuff like for me dude i don't think they're happening mccarr 90 points eh, eh, not happening Point oh, no. forty five goals not happening uh, unless this guy he needs Kucherov for success, unfortunately, because Stamkos is a goal scorer. I know points a pass for this guy, but he can also score goals too. It's just a weird scenario for both those guys right now. So don't think my hot takes for this season are going to go through, but some of the stuff you predicted have gone through so far. So I think – Yeah, I think except I, for the Calder uh, winner, that is just – Yeah, well, I picked him too. I mean, it's not like you didn't pick, you picked him and you're the only one in the world to do that. Lucas Raymond looks like he might lock that up pretty soon. Even his teammate Mort Sider too, man. I know, man. The eyes are playing. I don't care what anyone says. The guy is the best, I guess, drafter in the NHL. I don't even think it's close. I know uh, Russo on Burning Leaf gives a lot of props to Breezebois. Well, look what the Eiserman's doing in Detroit, who had absolutely nothing when he got there. Yeah. Two- what, what season did he get there? End of 1819 or 19? 1819. Uh, I'll search right now quickly. I believe it was the 1819 season that was like his first season there. 
so that would have been the Moritz Cider draft, like 2019. So actually, it was the 1920 season. So the 2019 draft was his first draft. Moritz Cider, and that's that when Moritz he went Sider? off the board. Yeah. Yep, and look at him now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I was there. I think we had hockey that night, too. And I saw, I walked into the thing, and the TV was on more cider to the Red Wings. I'm like, what? Who the hell is this guy? And then I did, yeah. a few no, seasons later, this guy is going to be one of the rookies of the year, if not a can- candidate for the rookie of the year. And Steve, Stevie Y looks to like be a complete genius once again. I don't know how he does it, man. He just has an eye for talent, it looks like. All those guys in Tampa that he picked – uh, obviously in the late rounds, like Pallad and Point, And I think, I don't know if he drafted Kalorin, but obviously Stamkos and Hedman, those were like top three picks basically. But, you know, even Vasilevsky picking him in the first round, usually goalies don't go in the first round. Look how that turned out. Um, and then drafting guys so that they can trade. Mm-hmm. Obviously they traded like, you know, guys away to get McDonough and stuff like that like he is the best gm probably in hockey i would say overall <laughs> like them, dra- yeah. in terms of drafting and trades yeah. like and signings like he signed headman to that phenomenal contract 7.8 million um he's just he's amazing <laughs> yeah it's, there's no doubt about it i mean he continues to do the stuff like even the late rounds he drafts good it's every round man this guy every continues round. To develop, I know he obviously doesn't do the developing, but I'm sure he hires the uh, the proper guys to develop the prospects, and he's clearly working right now. So, yeah. lots of hype up for Yarzerman. I think that's it for end to end. Leafs play tonight versus the Flyers, and they play Friday night. I'll be in attendance there. Hopefully, they can get a dub. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. End to end, we'll probably be back next week. Join us then. Woo!